Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Welcome back, everyone. It is so great to be with you again this week. I have a special guest this week. My guest is Michaelin Smith, and she has a new book coming out this month called Cozy Minimalist Home, More Style, Less Stuff. And of course, Cozy feels really apropos for fall, but I think she's going to have a lot of tips that align with people who are looking to stay on a budget based on what I've read in your book and people who are thinking about not just pretty, but also practical. So that completely aligns with my audience, Mike Helen, and we're so excited to have you. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having me today. So tell me, what was your inspiration for writing this book? Well... My inspiration was moving from a big house to a smaller house and figuring out that I had way too much stuff. So for so long, I had collected stuff without really letting things go. And, you know, as you're building a family and we had moved a couple times, well, we had moved 14 times, honestly, um, you would think that would make a person kind of downsize their stuff. But instead, what it would make me do is say, well, maybe I don't need this whatever lamp rug chair in this house, but we're probably going to move again in a year or two. And what if I need it in my next house? So I had this problem of saving everything forever, just in case. And then we finally moved into what we hope is a home we're going to stay in for a while. And I realized I had this really cute hoard of bargain bought thrift store stuff that I didn't have a place for. And I had to figure out what to do with it. And so that was kind of the jumping off point for the whole idea of cozy minimalism where I want to get the most amount of style with the least amount of stuff. I want a pretty home. I want to have those pockets of abundance with layers and cozy pillows and throws, but I also want to have some cleared off surfaces and some simplicity in my life. And so, you know, that um, positioning cozy and minimalism together just made sense and was kind of where I found myself on the, on the spectrum, so to speak. Well, and tell me more about your family because you mentioned you have kids. So tell me more about where you live, what your home life is like, just things like that. 
Yeah, well, I'm married to Chad. We've been married 23 years. We have three boys, so our oldest is 21. He's in college, so he's away from home most of the year. And we have a senior in high school, and we have a junior. So they're all boys. Um, we also have a dog who is a big brown dog. He's indoor-outdoor. So we have a dog door. All our animals are free to go in and out all day long. We've got two cats in the house. And we have a rooster that stays outside, thank the Lord. He will come in if you let him. If we leave the door open, he's in the house too. So we live out in the countries. We've got a lot of red clay. We've got dirty boots. We've got a tractor. We are tracking dirt in and out a lot. Um, our boys have played hockey, which is like, I think it's the stinkiest sport you can play. <laughs> um, so we've had, you know, all of the velvet from Legos to Playmobil to hockey equipment, and now all my kids have cars and they fix them. So they come in with black, dirty hands, and they, they eat their hamburger with <laughs> dirt and grease all over their hands and touch you know, the table, whatever it is. The home is very lived in for us, and I like it that way, but I also be really pretty and functional at the same time. Yeah, and I think a lot of our listeners, including myself, we struggle with that, kind of maintaining that designerly look, but having it withstand the day-to-day mess and grime. And I thought it was so interesting as I was reading your book, how you got your start, because you didn't have a traditional interior design school journey. So I wanted to hear more about that, because some of our listeners are really interested in being designers themselves, but they don't know how to start. Well, and I probably am not one to tell them, but the way, you know, I spend my days encouraging women, which is my dream job. Like, that's what I want to do. I'm also an introvert, so I don't have to go to anyone's house, and I don't have to leave my own house. It is the dream. Um, but I also get to talk about home all the time. So for me, I did start, I, I started elementary education, and then I figured out, oh, wait a second, if I do this, I'm going to school for the rest of my life, which I did not want to do. So um, my husband and I got married, I transferred and changed my major to design. And I didn't hear of that and realized also, this is not quite for me, which was very frustrating because I love home and I love beauty. And so I naturally thought that must mean I need to be a designer, but I didn't like just the idea of starting a room from scratch and like, now I'm going to pick out everything for this person's room. It, it just didn't resonate with me. I, it wasn't where I was and I, it, it wasn't the right fit. So my husband ended up going to grad school. I got a job, put him through, and had kids. And then a few years later, I found myself um, working at a little shop in town where I would sell my wares. She had a bakery, and I would basically style the shop for her. So she had stuff for sale. I would style it. I would sell my own stuff there, like Etsy shop type of, type of things, and loved it. And from that, people in the community would ask me, oh, can you come style my shelves? Or, oh, can you come help me, you know, pick out the paint for my exterior? Things like that. Because at the same time, I was redoing my own house. People would drive by and see it. And it was like a big difference. We painted brick. We added a porch. So it was a huge difference on the outside. Um, And I also got, I did um, like a certification in staging and redesign. It was probably the best money I've ever spent in my life. It was a, I think it was a one-week course that I did. And I think it still happens today. It's by Joanne Lenart Weary. She is amazing. And what they did was give me the confidence to be able to help people without feeling like I needed to be um, a full-fledged interior designer with a degree. But it gave me the confidence to use what I already knew. Because I was already good at putting things together, but I didn't know how to help people. And so getting like certified in something, anything, getting that little bit of knowledge, and then Joanne became kind of a mentor to me um, was priceless. So that really was like, when I look back on 
all the things that helped me do and be where I am today. The lady that gave me a chance in her store to style it, and then Joanne, who offered this class that I took, and taking the risk to take it were really stepping stones for me. And now I get to do that for my job, which is so fun. So really, I think that online class gave you kind of your business card, if you will, that certification gave you license to say, hey, this is what I do. This is how I do it. And it was just that one week course that kind of unlocked it for you. Yep, it was just that one week. And then I'd say, oh, I know how to help people redesign, which that is my heart. My heart is, let's help you use what you already have. Now, I even go further than that. I did go in people's homes for a while and did that. And then I was like, I hate this. I don't want to go in people's homes. How can I stay in my own home <laughs> and do this? And let me tell you, that is where the internet has come in so handy. Because now I can do it all from the beauty of my own house. I get to create classes and help women. That certification really gave you the license and the power to figure out your own business model. And now you primarily work from your home and do online courses. And so so that's basically what you do day to day. And then the book was just an extension of that. Does that sound right? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I never cared to write a book. I only cared to encourage women in their homes. So I'll do that however I can, however people want it. If they want me to get on a boat and do a little dance, I'll do it, whatever it takes, you know, to get the word out and to have and help people use and love their home. Like that's so important to me. And I see how it really, I mean, it changes lives when we use our home. We can help change people's lives when we invite people. So I just think it's such an important endeavor. Well, and one thing in your book that caught my attention was your six-step process for decorating a room. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about that. Oh, absolutely. So that's, listen, I am not a person that like believes in formulas at all, but I do think they have a place to help us know where to start. I think more important is knowing what not to focus on and knowing the order of things. Because a lot of us, the misstep we make is we just do things in the wrong order. We're really good at picking out things we like. We're good at that. We know when something is ugly to us. We know when something's pretty. But a lot of times we just maybe hang the art before we should or we hang um, the drapes too low. So just really simple things that if we just did them in the right order or maybe made a few inches difference would make a big difference in our room. So we walk through six steps. They're all really simple. Like it's nothing that you need to be born with a decorating gene. If you were even better. It's all just like logical decisions. Like we're going to get your furniture in the right place. We, before that, we clear out a room. I call it quieting a room. So we take out all the little things and hopefully take down the drapes. We're going to take down the art so the room can have some time to maybe speak to us so we can see what's going on. We get the furniture in the right place and then we bring in rugs and drapes and the right lighting. You probably need a few lamps in your room if you don't have it. So we work through all of those things and we finally get to hanging the wall art. We finally get to doing vignettes, which I know for a lot of us, I know for me, when I used to move into all those 14 houses, I would move in, I would put the TV where the people before us had the TV, I would put the sofa across from the TV and I immediately would hang art which is all wrong. <laughs> it's fine. It's one way to do it. But it resulted in me being frustrated because things were, weren't quite right. Because I didn't take the time to figure out where our sofa needed to go because of the shape of it or because how we use our home. So just small little tweaks like that can make a big difference in how we experience a room. And that's what the book is about. That's what anything I talk about Instagram is about. Like just little tips that we can do. Like go upstairs and like just move something around. It's 
it's rarely about going to the furniture store. A lot of times it's just using what we have in a better way. Great. Yeah. And I know that you have a sofa philosophy. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I want to hear more about that. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. We are back. And so as I promised, um, Michael Lynn is going to share her sofa philosophy. Tell us more. <laughs> well, I have learned from experience how to buy a sofa you don't hate tomorrow. And I've learned that because I have bought a sofa and hated it the next day, which is the worst. A lot of that came because I had never bought a sofa before. I was really impatient and didn't want to save, you know, for another month. I just wanted to get it done. Um, and I just didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have the confidence to buy a sofa. So it, it, in one side, I'm like, well, it's just a sofa. Who cares? And really, your friends don't care. But I also know that when we hate our sofa, we are less apt to uh, volunteer our house to host things. Or if we do, we are preoccupied with the fact that we hate our sofa and we're embarrassed of it. So a lot of us may even have a sofa budget or have some decisions to make with a sofa, but we're afraid to do it because it feels overwhelming. And so I feel like if we can figure out how to make that sofa decision, because we all want a pretty sofa, you can find a pretty sofa for $200 on Craigslist, or you can find a pretty sofa that's custom made for $3,000. So it's not really about the money. I think we all, a lot of times we think that's what it is, but usually it's more the confidence in making the decision. Um, and so once we are, we go in there armed with some information of how to buy a sofa, which we talk about in the book, but really the main thing to keep in mind with a sofa is to buy a sofa with traditional lines. Buy a sofa that if you were flipping through Better Homes and Gardens from 1978, you're gonna see some sofa lines. Now I'm not talking about the um, fabric, because you're going to see some crazy fabrics, but you're going to see some silhouettes or some styles of sofas that are timeless. And they usually have names like Chesterfield or Camelback, and those sofas will stand the test of time. If you're buying a sofa that is reclining and then wondering why you hate it the next day, it's because reclining is what it does. It's not the style. Now, if you love your reclining sofa, I love that, and, and you should. But if you, if you can't figure out, and that's for so long I was frustrated because I couldn't figure out how to make a decision on a sofa. Like I would, I would see ones I liked and I would see ones I didn't like, but when I got to the store, I didn't know how to figure that out. 
Um, and so just to focus on those timeless silhouettes is just a, a step in the right direction when you're making that sofa decision. And I think most of my clients are paralyzed by sofas in particular because the cost is so high, but also second to your bed, it's where you're going to be spending the most time. And so people feel like they have to get it right. And I personally have suffered, even as a designer, from sofa regret. Um, I bought a beautiful sofa at West Elm. It was the cutest thing you ever saw with high legs and tufting. And those buttons got caught on our outfit every time we sat down. Like they'd get caught on my jeans. They'd get caught on people's sweaters. It drove us crazy. So then I went to the other end of the extreme and my husband was like, I didn't like that sofa because it was too cute, but not comfortable. And I was like, okay, so let's get you comfortable, but not cute. And then, you know, it's hard to find that middle ground. So we have the Macy's sectional. That is the most comfortable thing you ever sat on. And it will probably last for 15 years because I'm rather ambivalent about it. But, um, you know, it's just hard to find that middle ground. And there's so many sofas these days that you could really get lost in the in the selection. Yeah, you can. So I think sofas are a really big talking point for a lot of my clients. Something that I thought was interesting, now just speaking author to author, in your book, you talk about Pinterest, you talk about Instagram, you talk about Oprah. Um, and I'm wondering if you had reservations about talking about such topical things that maybe wouldn't be timeless. So if somebody reads your book in 15 years, they're like, what's Instagram? Uh, so I struggled with that when I was writing my book. And in my first edition, I had a lot of topical things. I talked about Etsy. I talked about other places I like to buy from, like Ikea. And then in my newest version of the book coming out in January, I didn't do that at all. I erased all references. But I felt torn because then you don't get that immediate info. How did you feel about that? Did you struggle with that? I thought about that too, although I do believe Oprah's timeless. <laughs> but um, I thought about that because one of like one of my actual steps is like make a pin board. But I go ahead and the first time I mention it, I do say, or you know, what you're reading this in the future in your flying car, whatever it is that you have then, because throughout the ages we have had ways to collect beautiful photos that we like, whether it's ripping them out of a magazine, taking photos of magazines at Barnes and Noble with our iPhone. Right now it's Pinterest, it's gonna be something else in a few years. So I just put that out there, like today it's Pinterest, tomorrow it's gonna be something else, find a way. So, but yeah, I hear you. It is it is tricky because you want it to feel super relevant, but you also want it to feel timeless, just like your sofa. <laughs> right, right. So it's, again, a very tricky place to be. And I found that there are benefits to both. Um, you know, as a reader, I want to know where you're shopping right now, but... I want my book to feel like it could be on the shelves for 50 years to come and be someone's reference manual. But I think that's hard anyway because design, you know, adapts to the trends, what's going on, how people are living now versus how people are living in the future. So, Well, and if you have photos in your book, it doesn't matter because in four years, the photos will be so dated that we can say whatever we want because we're going to have to change it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is there anything else that you want to share with us about your book or any tips that you think are really vital that you want to leave us with? Oh my goodness. That is, I, I'm so bad at that question because I'm, because it's not a straightforward question. If you have a straightforward question, I can answer it. But if you have an open-ended question, I am a useless mop. <laughs> well, let me see. Let me see if I have a straightforward question for you. Hold on one sec. Um, 
interesting, and I disagreed with this point in your book. So here we go. Here's something straightforward. You mentioned that you think signature style is a myth. So why don't you debunk that for us? Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to figure out your signature style. What I think is it doesn't help us because if I figure out that my style is quirky cottage, which is what I think my my style is, it doesn't help me make actual decisions. Now, whenever I see a quiz, I take it because I love those things. I want to have a name for my style. But the truth is, it doesn't help me make decisions. I can't go to the quirky cottage shop and buy everything. I still have to decide what works with what I have uh, in my budget at the stores I have access to. So as much as I think it's fun to have a name for my style, I don't think it's something that we have to do in order to make design decisions. Well, if we were in person and not on Skype, we'd probably have a throwdown right now. I can arm wrestle. We could take it outside. But I disagree with you completely, Michaelin. Um, I <laughs> I have a two-word phrase method. You're going to want to get my book, Big Design, Small Budget. Uh, I have a two-word phrase method that I utilize with my clients to help them crack open their style and to help them figure out how they translate that to purchases. So you won't want to miss awesome. that. But I see what you mean. And um, and I see where it can be confusing. And I do think sometimes people get so hung up on what their style is that they get a little paralyzed. I don't have a yes. word for this. I don't have a phrase that feels personal or resonates. And so they just don't take next steps. Uh, yes. So I think that's problematic. But I do think having those two words to focus on can really help you stay in a zone and keep you from buying things. Like you said, all my clients know what's pretty. They know what they respond to. They just don't know how to put it together. They don't know how to keep it cohesive. And by having those two words, I think it gives them that nice boundary. But, you know, we can agree to disagree. And that means, folks, that means you're going to have to get both books. You're going to have to get <laughs> Michael and Smith's Cozy Minimalist Home, More Style, Less Stuff. And, of course, you already have Big Design, Small Budget because you're listening to my podcast. But, Michaelin, where can we find you? Well, online, you can find me at thenester.com. But every day for everyday tips and encouragement and pictures of a home that won't make you feel bad, you can find me on Instagram at thenester. And my book is anywhere books are sold. I have a question about that, just as, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. So you don't actually go to people's homes. How do you get so many fresh pictures? You know, if you're not actually uh, physically transforming them right there on the spot. Because that's a challenge yeah, for us. I never go to anyone's home. Every picture is of my own home, yeah. so I have to be creative. And you'll see the same room. We have a small house, so you'll see the same rooms over and over again. <laughs> You're going to have to get an Airbnb or something so that you could just... I know. That's what I told my husband. I think it's time for a second home because I've run out of places to photograph. <laughs> well, I totally understand that. And it has been so lovely talking to you. So fun to talk with you, too. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Well, I hope all my listeners... Run out, get your book, check you out online, and uh, follow your Instagram and Pinterest. Thanks, Betsy. Thanks. Bye. And I will catch you next week. Bye. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, 
there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.